0: Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Beau Bruce. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God is one. Today's parable has to be one of the best for his preachers. In rare fashion after all, Jesus himself tells us about what it means so he's making our job easy, right? I guess I should just repeat what Jesus said in the parable and let you get on to lunch. But I love what John, St. John Chrysostom has to say about this, and I'm shortening it a bit. You know he can run on a little long. Uh, he said about this passage, this lesson needs no explanation, but take heed of its warning. What truth himself, speaking of Jesus, human frailty does not presume to discuss. Yet, There is a matter for careful consideration in this explanation given by our Lord. If we ourselves were to tell you that the seed is the word, the field, the devil, etc., you might perhaps entertain doubts as to whether you should believe us. The Lord himself has expounded what he's saying that you might learn to discover the meaning of those other things that he did not choose to explain personally. St. John uses that to discuss how he hands on, how the Lord hands on the authority for us to reveal the meaning of the parables and the parts he didn't explain. And however, I think there's also a great insight in St. John's words about this parable itself. Here, Jesus is giving us the guardrails, but it's our job to walk the road further to explain what those simple explanations mean. And so even though there's a simple explanation that Jesus provides to us, as I like to say, simple doesn't make something easy. If we just accept Jesus' explanation of the allegorical meaning of each of the images in the story without deeper consideration, or worse, think that that's all there is to the story, we won't find ourselves much further along that road to our salvation. And it is in the case with today's reading, as with so many others, that there is a remarkable depth to explore. And even in this case, as my job has been made substantially easier, because as Stephen told us last week, the Sunday Mass readings of the season of Tide and Lent, the season before Lent, pre-Lent and Lent, are tied deeply to an Old Testament scriptural sequence that recounts the entire history of human salvation, from Adam to Noah to Abraham to Moses and so forth. Ultimately, in the, our Feast of Feasts, Pascha, Easter, we will hear that entire story from creation to Christ in our beautiful and powerful Easter visual readings. And the church is preparing us to be able to absorb that incredible impact by showing us in depth, the meaning of the events in that salvific history, so that when we hear those readings on Easter Eve, they can rouse remembrance of our place in that history. It would be easy to miss this Old Testament sequence because it's almost exclusively going on in Matins, a service in the divine office consisting of a substantial chunk of psalms, antiphons, and readings that's traditionally performed in the middle of the night. I mean, this is the Matins book. It's, It's about two to three times bigger than the entire rest of the prayer book. And you might think that the monks would do it quickly. After all, it's the middle of the night so they could get back to bed. But in fact, it's one of the lengthiest parts of the service. And unfortunately, for those, who have tr- those of us who have tried it, it seems extremely challenging to fit that entire service into the cycle of daily life. However, the readings themselves are quite manageable and do provide a nice daily lectionary. So if you're interested in a source of good selections from the Bible tied to our lectionary, brief patristic commentaries on those passages, and excellent brief hagiography about the saints of the day, this is a good investment. But the church, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has crafted that linkage between those Old Testament texts and the Sunday lectionary to link them together and bring us deeper into the divine mysteries of Christ. As Orthodox Christians, we do not see the Old Testament as history, nor is just a source of some prophecies of Christ, nor is just a good source of some beautiful poetry or Proverbs. No, we see all of that and add to that that upon every word of it, we are seeing a foreshadowing of Christ. Only I can only believe that that's the way Paul felt. When after Ananias restored his sight and Paul spent years restudying the Old Testament scriptures, that he had studied very hard as a Pharisee, that he began to see this. Paul's conversion opened his eyes in more than a literal way. It opened his eyes to see what so many of his fellow Pharisees couldn't see, that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So as we prepare for Lent, the readings are specifically chosen to help open our eyes to see Jesus as the Christ and to help us see our place in this history of salvation that began with the creation of the world. And so this connection would be easy to miss these days for reasons I mentioned before. However, we do get just a little hint that something is going on from Saturday evening's antiphons on the Magnificat at evening prayer. Because instead of those antiphons being tied to the gospel the following day as they usually are, they're instead brief passages from that cycle of Old Testament readings occurring in Matins. And this week, that anaphon was, the Lord said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, make an ark of gopher wood, that therein the seed of all flesh may be saved. So here from that one phrase from Exodus, we learn that we should look for the connections between Jesus' parable of the sower that we just heard and the story of Noah. The first most obvious connection is the common mention of seed in both passages. Noah makes an ark so that the seed of all flesh can be saved. Jesus tells us that that seed in this parable is the word of God. And at first blush, it seems one seed is that of God and another of man and beast. But let us not forget that the latter was born of the former. Without that initial planting of the word of God, that seed in the dark, chaotic cosmos, there would have been no creation, no seed of all flesh. And thus the seed of all flesh is the progeny of that seed of God. And in a striking aspect of the passage, we note that Noah is called not just to save humankind, but all the animals too. And we see this play out again and again in the Old Testament. The Old Law made it clear that it was not intended for just mankind, but also the creatures of the earth also. You'll note that not only humans were required to rest on the Sabbath, but animals too. On the longer cycle of seven years, the earth and the plants also got their rest during a land Sabbath where no crops were to be sown or harvested. As people, we're pretty prone to always think of the story of salvation as being about us. But really, it's about all of creation, the entirety of creation. And yeah, that includes us, but it isn't all about us. Isaiah tells us of the rejoicing of the wilderness, the hills singing, the trees clapping at the joy of the coming of the Lord. So Noah is a type that brings salvation not just to man, but to creation. Christ brings not just mankind to new life from an existence of death and decay, but all of creation. Noah saves man and beast from the flood in an ark of wood, Christ saves us through his actions, hanging on a cross of wood. Noah becomes the founder of not just a new people, but a new creation, just as Christ is the new Adam. And that's what I want to focus on for us to take home from this passage today. Noah was also a new Adam. Likewise, we will see that Abraham is. He's a sort of different human being, right? He's counted worthy by his faithfulness. And yet we see that start right here with Noah. As we look at the more righteous figures of the Old Testament, as we prepare for Pascha in this cycle of readings, we see a recurring theme. These are people who not just heard the word of God, but kept it. They are the good ground, which in Jesus' words today in the gospel, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word and keep it, and bringing forth fruit with patience. This message will be echoed strongly just a few chapters later in Luke when a woman in the crowd yells out to Jesus, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that which you nursed. True, but he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That is critical to the connection between today's parable and Noah and its connection to us today. We all receive the word of God through our very conception In that moment, we are created by the very seed of God that sprouted in the creation of the universe. We are sustained by his word throughout our lives. But the ultimate question is, will we merely exist? Will we merely hear that word but fail to respond to it? We, dearly beloved, you and I are just as much a part of this story as Adam, as Noah, as Abraham, as Jesus Christ himself. We're not to sit back and ride the ark. We're called to build it. We saw Adam hear the word of God. I mean, God walked with him in the garden. How amazing that is. And yet he did not keep that word. Judas walked with the Lord, our God, yet betrayed him. It may seem that God is distant sometimes, my friends, but we carry him in our hearts and he carries us. All the more so for us who are baptized and sealed by the Holy Spirit. So who will we be? Will we be Adam or Noah, Peter or Judas? As we heard last week, we are called to be laborers in the vineyard. The berries are ripe all around us, and whether we pick all day or just a few hours, we can also be the founders of a new people. We are all called to be a new Adam, a new Eve. We are called to be the good ground, not just by hearing the word of God, but doing it. And before I whip you up into too much of a frenzy and you leap out of your seats to be an impassioned witness to the world around you, we must also hear our our Lord's warning in this passage. There are enemies who want to stop us, the devil, our own exuberance, the cares of the world. The Lord tells us that we will bring forth fruit only with patience. And I know that those of you who have co-labored with us here at the Advent over the last several years Get that word, patience. I know that must be your byword or you wouldn't be sitting out there today. We have and continue to trust in the Lord that our faithful mission to hear and do his word will bear fruit. We have been attacked by all the enemies in this gospel passage, and one thing is sure, we will continue to be. We have and we will continue to weather them with God's help, but to do so, we must start by fixing ourselves. We must till our ground, soften it so that the roots of the word of God can take an even deeper hold of our hearts, our minds, our souls to love God and our neighbor. The church has provided the season of Lent to be a time to do that tilling and that fertilizing so that we can be the founder of a new people. And today the church is calling you to prepare to make the most of that time. Will it be work tilling the field, breaking will it be work tilling the field, breaking up the hardened heart that wants to think only of itself? Will there be great toil and working under the hot sun that reveals the darkness within you? Will that fertilizer taste a little more like medicine than good drink? Yes. But with that work we all know comes a greater harvest. It is simple, but not easy, my brothers and sisters. So start now to gather together what you will need for the coming growing season. And if you're not sure where to start or how to make the most of it, we're here to discuss that together with you, ways to move from wherever wherever you are to a place just a little closer to our Lord during this Lenten season. So let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, today we stand before you with our rocky soil under a hot sun, and we call upon your help that we may not neglect our fields for the temporal joys and cares of this world, but rather tend to them with persistent patience, that we may reap the eternal joys that you provide, not just in the kingdom to come, but in that kingdom you established here on earth among your people, that we may be a warm light to the people around us, and that through your headship, we may be your hands and feet of service to all those around us. We beseech thee, O Lord, that we too may be the founder of a new people through our hearing and doing of your word, through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigns with thee and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end amen talks at advent homilies and reflections given at the church of the advent a western rite orthodox mission in atlanta georgia